This is Start Disrupting, a show about the innovator, scientist, and designer disrupting industries and creating 10x impact. I'm your host, Brett Malone, President and CEO of the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Today on the show is Pallavi Sabu. She's the CEO of Harmonia Holdings. Pallavi serves on the boards of Asian American Chamber of Commerce, Thai DC, Army Science Board, and she serves on NVTC's Executive Circle. Pallavi gives us some great advice today for young entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs, and those who are looking to really challenge themselves and, and grow their companies aggressively. Today's show is brought to you by Ramp, the regional accelerator. Our friends here in Roanoke have graciously donated some space for us to make the recording in Roanoke. We're thankful for our partnership. We're thankful to have both Ramp, RBTC, and the Verge ecosystem, an integral part of the CRC and everything that we do there. So special thank you to Mary Miller at Ramp for making this possible. So, Pally, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here, and it's great to see a familiar face. Uh, we both got our start a while ago <laughs> at the CRC, and uh, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Brett, for having me. It's a real honor, and uh, it's like visiting my old life back again with you. <laughs> it's, uh, it's exciting to see what you've done with Harmonia, the, the journey, and I really want to take some time today and just talk about you know, your journey and the, some of the things that you've had to overcome. And we're, we're just so excited and proud to see the success you're having. So maybe we just sort of start at, start at the beginning. Tell us about how you got started into this and, you know, in terms of thinking about how other entrepreneurs who, who might be having these similar thoughts that you had, tell us about how you got started and some of the, the fears, concerns, and, and also the, the drive that you had. I mean, that's something very notable. So my story is that of an accidental entrepreneur. I, you know, I had my computer science degree from India and I came to Virginia Tech and I did my MS in marketing. And I worked uh, for a few years. I taught at Virginia Tech. Then I was the marketing director for the credit union there. And then after eight years of trying, I had my one and only child. So I felt, you know, I really needed to take time and enjoy the baby. I took four years off. And when I wanted to come back into the marketplace, sitting in Blacksburg, all my jobs that uh, now I had a marketing angle to me, right? So mm -hmm. all my jobs were traveling jobs because you really have to travel to do marketing when you're sitting in Blacksburg. And mm -hmm. I did not want to travel with my, you know, with a little daughter at home. So I tried for a year and a half. I wrote a book for Virginia Tech on incubation and I did off and on projects, but nothing solid was coming my way. And then somebody introduced me to my partner at Harmonia, Dr. Abrams, who was a professor at Virginia Tech, and he wasn't going anywhere. He's technically very brilliant. So here was a man who's brilliant, who wasn't going anywhere. And here is somewhat of a marketing person who, again, wasn't going anywhere because she didn't want to travel. And we met up for coffee and we never looked back. So he, he, we met up for coffee. He met, made me, he liked me and he made me interview with his team of two people who rejected me saying, I'm way too aggressive. <laughs> and when he came back to hire me, he said, when they said you were too aggressive, I knew you are the person I want. So <laughs> that's where our journey started. Um, we started in April, 2004 and haven't looked back. It's, you know, as if magic happened, uh, we kept winning grants after grants. It was like rain was falling. So God was smiling with this mix of two people. 
That is great. And that's, that's called tenacity, not, not necessarily aggressiveness, you know, in terms of just really knowing what, what you want to go after. So it's very interesting when I think about the journey that, that especially women entrepreneurs go through as they develop a personal life, a career, and really want to go off and create, you know, take chances. Uh, tell me about some of the obstacles that you faced and how did you overcome them? So the first ops, so work was easy. The ones I teamed up with Dr. Abrams, work-wise, my aggressiveness or tenacity, call you, call it what you may, really paid off because where Mark was shy on the ask, I was really aggressive on the ask and he would paint the technical, legitimate technical picture and I'd go close the deal. But early on, I remember in 2004 itself, uh, Governor Warner, at that time, Senator Warner was Governor Warner, and he needed to take women across Virginia to talk about women leaders, a woman in position of power or women, you know, breaking the grass ceiling. And I'd be one of the women he'd invite to talk in different parts of rural Virginia. Mm -hmm. And I think in 2005, he sent a message to someone saying, tell Pallavi she's too aggressive. <laughs> and I felt really hurt then. And then I realized, you know, I was like, you know, it's like if I'm a cat and I bark, it doesn't sound right, right? A cat has to meow and a dog has to bark. So if I really have to succeed, I can't try to be a man. It's, it's if I look at gender neutrally, I have to succeed being a woman because as a woman, people expect a feminine and that's not to be sexist, but some things are acceptable coming uh, out of the mouth of a woman and some things are not. So if I'm a boss, uh, while you as a male may be able to be really strong with a junior and get away with it, a junior may feel really offended if I was using the same kind of body language you are using. Mm -hmm. So it took a lot of introspection and a lot of course correction on my part and a lot of inner confidence because you try to imitate somebody when you feel you are not enough. So I'd had to do a lot of soul searching and feel comfortable being a woman and being in a position of power mm -hmm. to actually act like a woman. And I think when I did course correction on that, Success was there, but people, I could carry my team with me. My team didn't, uh, you know, resent me. Mm. So a lot of women may say, why should a woman have to correct her behavior, right? But like they say, when you're in France, act like the French, right? You, you do adapt to what people ex uh, are expecting of a certain look or a certain person. Uh, and a certain amount of humility needs to come from a leader, right? Mm -hmm. So coming into that realization was my biggest challenge uh, that I had to overcome and be able to implement inside me. Does that make sense? It, it makes a lot of sense. And, it, you know, as I think about the receptivity of diversity now in the workplace and now in, you know, capital markets and, and so much leadership, there, there's folks like yourself who have, you've really pioneered and led the way for some of the new generation. What are you, what are you doing and how do you think about either giving back or coaching or mentoring some of the young entrepreneurs from either diverse backgrounds, different technologies, uh, different genders, diversities. H how do you go about thinking of your mentorship, your leadership as you give back? So, you know, that's a very good thing. So as I grew Harmonia along with Dr. Abrams, a lot of people helped us along the way. You know, people would give us a tip, which would mean a lot. It was just a lesson shared, but it would help us uh, rethink what we were doing. And those course corrections helped Harmonia to get to where it was. Mm -hmm. So as Harmonia grew, grew up, 
a little more and we could hire more people in the leadership roles and I could just pick my face up and look outside. Giving back was very important because that's how I had grown. Um, so, for example, today I sit on three organizations, NVTC, uh, TAI, which is the Indus Entrepreneurs and the Asian American Chamber of Commerce. And a motto across all three organizations is promoting entrepreneurship, mentorship, guiding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I play an active role in guiding women entrepreneurs, guiding mm-hmm. smaller size companies, um, guiding diverse companies. Especially mm-hmm. if I look at a woman perspective, you know, women come into meetings, but they're too embarrassed. And I must have been like that to ask simple questions because they feel they might be mocked that they, you don't even know that much. But men would come in and ask the most dumbest of questions or they have no fear of being judged. So I think providing that nurturing environment for women to feel it's okay to ask whatever, because when you ask, you become smarter. Um, So I do a lot of sessions with women only and do joint sessions with men and women through part of these organizations. And it is so rewarding because when you help somebody grow, uh, it's a mark of your own ability to give back. So I enjoy that. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, you've, you've accomplished so much, but you've also put yourself in a position where, you know, people really look up to what you've done and now it's an opportunity for you to help mentor. Plus, you know, globally, and and we're starting to see opportunities for new companies emerge because of of diversity walls coming down. What excites you about the future of, uh, you know, a more vibrant, diverse technology innovation ecosystem? I think, you know, So I have a different view. They'll talk about how, uh, you know, just because you're a certain race or a certain gender, you have it bad. I think just because I was a certain race and a gender, I had it really easy. And to quote again, Senator Warner or Mark Warner, Governor Warner at that point, he was like, when an Indian keeps quiet, right? They just assume he or she's so smart, they don't need to speak, right? Just because the mindset is that Indians are technically savvy. I'm not technically savvy. I left computer science many generations back, right? Mm-hmm. But being Indian, being a short woman and nobody wanting to be obviously racist or biased against me, helped me just go in and get contracts, which maybe more capable people didn't get. So mm-hmm. I think the world itself, if you look at America, people are trying consciously and intentionally not to be biased. Mm-hmm. And it really helps all of us. I think the worst thing to be is a white male because he has it toughest, <laughs> but the rest of us have it a little easier. Mm-hmm. That's my personal feeling. A lot of people may disagree, but it's worked for me. Well, I mean, I think you, you embrace your inner strengths mm-hmm. and you, you regardless, uh, you see opportunity based on what the economy, what the business, I mean, you and Mark formed a, a really strong partnership because of, the, that chemistry and it, and it was mostly about his ability to do the technology and, and your ability to really market and sell it. And, mm-hmm. and that's really what formed the basis for the success that you have now with Harmonia. Right, right on. Tell us, tell our listeners a little more about Harmonia, where they, you know, where you are today. Harmonia is uh, really well positioned. I mean, you're, you're really growing sort of to that next plateau from what I can tell. Tell our listeners a little bit about Harmonia, what you're doing, and where you're headed. 
So harmonium is no longer small. So in the beginning, <laughs> and we knew we were headed to not be small, it just be very exciting. Here were two people who had no personal wealth, both Mark and me didn't come from personal money, started a business with a million dollars in loan and we're headed to not being small anymore. But we realized that's the worst place to be because you are the poorest rich, right? Because you're not a Raytheon and you're like the bottom of the largest company. Two years before we were heading to not being small, um, we've started a bunch of mentor-protege programs. SBA, the Small Business Administration, allows uh, larger companies to have protege companies. So we took an ATA company as a protege. We took a woman-owned company as a protege. We took a Hubson company as a protege and made an ecosystem. So when we bid now, we bid via these companies. Uh, SBA likes us to help these companies grow because they don't come with expertise in proposals or how to be audited by DCA. They're really fledgling companies. Right. And as we grow them, we grow work for Harmonia. So it helps us you know, give back and still create an ecosystem where we can keep growing to become a larger, large company. Uh, so that's where Harmonia is in terms of just the status. But in terms of technology, we, you know, our biggest clients are DOD, agriculture and commerce. Though mm -hmm. we, we have Department of Interior, we have transportation, we have education. And we believed in being broad-based because my fear was that if one agency loses funding, we don't want to go down in that uh, funding cut. Mm -hmm. So being spread out across agencies was very important for me. So we spread out our uh, risk that way. In terms of technology, because we grew from the Small Business Innovative Research Grant Circuit, mm -hmm. we've always been on the cutting edge of technology. So now our offerings are blockchain, uh, cyber, uh, big data, data lakes. All the work that we do tries to keep up with technology. So at any given point, we are a good acquisition target uh, for mm -hmm. a larger company. Mm -hmm. So those are our three, three stools that we've tried to balance. I think that's a great balance. And you're also bringing technology and innovation into the government sector, into DOD. And so you're, you're not, you know, you're really providing value add to a lot of these agencies that are trying to embrace the new technologies, but just frankly can't, uh, can't do it from within. Right on. And a lot of companies that start off with SBIRs, they really need to make that transition, you know, to develop into larger contracts, ultimately product or service-based revenue beyond mm -hmm. just your initial initial SBIR grant. You're right on. And, you know, SBIRs, they call it the value of death after phase two. <laughs> right. But the realization is there's no shame if you can't be a product company. Harmonia thought it would be a product company. And it wasn't our sweet spot, but we became a services company. So you take all your technology, build on SBIR grants and bring it into the services across federal government. Right. You have your transition right there. So we have a commercialization index at 95%, mm -hmm. which, is, which is really nice. And this is in spite of having no product. <laughs> so what's one thing about Harmonia that most people don't know that, that you want them to know about? So I think the strength of Harmonia lies in his family culture. I, I am very family oriented. And I remember the first time I had a party for Harmonia, we were like six people. I said, call your grandmother, call your neighbor. I'm going to book a room. I need some people to show up, right? <laughs> and from there on, every event has been a family event to the point that it is, you know, we had um, about four years back when the first time we had a crisis, one of our employees uh, was diagnosed with a very serious disease. His wife worked with us. 
he had to take two years off and the wife had to take time off to look after him. But where would they get the money from? The whole company, I did not even have to ask, had started a program called PTO Donation. And that made me feel so good because it, it really showed that the culture of family is embraced by everybody and they all step up to help each other out. Right. We matched the PTO donation, but they did it all on their own. Even mm. through COVID when people suffered, employees stepped up even without us having to reach out to anybody. And I think the true strength of Harmonia, technologies will change, customers will change, but if your team is good and the team is united, you don't have to worry about a lot. That therein is the stability of the company. You know, culture is everything. And, you know, developing a, not only a winning culture, but a, this family culture that binds in hard times. It's so important. So it's a real testament to your leadership and what you're building. What, what are you reading these days? What advice do you have for our listeners, our young entrepreneurs to be consuming? There's so much content. There's so much material out there. How do you uh, advise? What, what are you reading these days that's interesting to you in terms of a, a growth mindset and learning? And, and what do you recommend for some of our listeners? So the two books that are my favorite, you know, one is a business book, which is The Art of Warfare, right? All of us should read that because to have those nerves of steel and to keep a very stoic face, no matter how tense it is, gives confidence to your team and to your customers. So I often read The Art of Warfare just to, to, to know how to coach myself in the eye during tough times. But there's one book that I've read throughout uh, for the last 25 years, I think, is Secret by Rhonda, what's her name, Rhonda Byrne, uh, you know, which talks about what you, what you imagine is what will happen to you because you send out the positive energy to the universe. Mm-hmm. And it is so true. If I am bidding on a contract and I keep thinking I'm going to win it, more than likely it's coming my way. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, I don't let the negative get to me. So... You know, you have to read up on technology for sure. You have to read acquisition forecasts for sure. But beyond all those daily tactical things you do, keeping your positivity and keeping that, uh, you know, the, the art of warfare going, it is war. I mean, we are in a jungle of federal contracting. That's what I am. But uh, to swim with your head held high needs uh, moral coaching ever so often. That's great. That's great advice and always classic to think first about you know, your inner self and how your inner monologue, your inner dialogue and and your inner story drives your outer performance. So, you know, it's, it's really important and and great to hear the advice that you're giving some of our young, young leaders, up and coming entrepreneurs. Pallavi Sabu, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been fantastic. It's, it's really a pleasure to watch you. We're, we're grateful to have you in our ecosystem. We're grateful to have the experience of you getting your start at the CRC. We're, we're just so thankful to see the success that you're having. Thanks, thanks for being part of the show. Thank you for having me, Brett. It's been a pleasure. And that's it for this episode. Subscribe to Start Disrupting wherever you get your podcast. We have a new disruptor on our show every two weeks, and you're not going to want to miss it. Check out vtcrc.com for the latest on our research park and over 225 companies that call us home. Until next time, always change the game.